Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. I got to say, Saipan, um, in my opinion, freer than any of the states in the United States. Is it the freest place you've ever been? Yes, but um, I would say this, right? Like, it's not because of some philosophical libertarian bent Mm -hmm. in the uh, Saipanese mindset or anything like that. It's just, you know, um, it's just a government that's kind of... Lazy and so why are you back, especially well. now when they're when they're shutting everything down? They got the the police state is here, my friend, and you just came back to enjoy it with the rest of us. Yeah, it's a it's a good question, right? Um, so I came back mainly because I wanted to check on my mom, make mm-hmm. sure everything was fine at the house. I, right, I was uh, my wife had a scheduled departure from Saipan, uh, the Northern Mariana Islands, and where I stayed for over two months. Just to sort of check it out as the the advanced squad of uh, the advanced liberty squad to check out Saipan, right? And she, you know, she had to get Jack back for school, but school never happened. Ah, it's, it's not probably going to happen. <laughs> Before she left, everything was fine in the air. You, the you, whole world caught fire. You don't homeschool Jack? We do uh, we a little to, bit of both. We do. Uh, well, I mean, I think. Homeschooling means take re- taking responsibility for your uh, kids' education. Exactly. I I was not able to do it myself. Yeah. There's more rows than people on these planes, um, and like everybody gets a whole row to themselves. And I don't mean one side of one row. <laughs> I mean the whole row. They did, could, so you could lay out. You could, had you wanted to. I mean, none of my flights were more than two hours. Right. So yeah, it's, like, it's yeah it's from Florida. It's only two hours. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's uh, three hours from Florida, but I had a, you got to stop off in. Uh, uh, Reagan. So uh, basically, I mean, like the, the steward, they, they asked me, what are you doing on the fl-? Like, they want to know, are you essential? Um, now, being a radio talk show host, I get to be essential. Yep. And, oh, and podcasters, too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you believe it? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't believe any of this stuff. But, um, you know, so I've I, basically, well, I got to go on the get on the radio so I can go do anything I want. Um, and I wonder to myself, as sort of a semi-journalist, I don't want to insult journalists by calling myself one, but I don't know that you want to be in that group. I mean, they're a bunch of they're kind of falling off the cliff themselves. Well, it depends on what you're the journalist of. But anyway, I mean, I give opinions. I'm a commentator. Right. But that works. Don't I can't I I can comment on any experience that I have. Right. So I could comment on walking the dog today if I wanted to. So therefore, isn't walking the dog now an essential activity? National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease Director Anthony Fauci said Sunday, and you know this is this is coming out here on Tuesday, that it is likely the coronavirus will become a seasonal occurrence. The infectious disease expert told CBS Face the Nation it's likely the the virus will assume a seasonal nature because it's unlikely to be contained around uh, the world this year. So, what I've been saying all along here is is that look, man, this is a virus. This is the new normal, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. We all we're all going to get corona in the same way that we're all going to get the flu. If you live 20 years, the chances of you not getting the flu are lower than the chances of you getting the flu. That's yeah, the, it's the way it, it's the way the flu works and it's always evolving and changing and you're not you're not always going to be immune to this next strain coming around the next, the corner. But hey, I've got a great idea. 2021, if we survive, that is. Uh-huh. Let's just l- close the whole country down for the months of February and um, March. 
Uh, the, some to cultures keep, to, do this. To keep everyone safe in, in their homes so they don't get sick and die. That's what Yule used to be. Uh, the end of the year, there was a, like a week where people basically just didn't do business at all. Right. And what that... So I think that it's uh, fair to say that, hey, you know, just because the world has adopted a just-in-time supply chain doesn't mean you need to. There's some things that you ought to have at your house. My uh, theory on a on a burglar is, is if you're there to steal something, first off, I shouldn't be home. And I'm only willing to shoot somebody over my family, right? right. My television set, not so much. It's only it's not it's worth nothing anyway. You take my television set to the pawn but shop. What about your, $25. Yeah, but what about your food? Screw your t- you might we might even have television in the next year, but I mean, now your food, that's what your family are partaking in by the way. Would well, you shoot a man over some corn? It depends on how much he's talking about taking. If he needs some corn, I would prefer he ask than but to he's, he's take. A, but he's already in your house, man. He's standing there with his hand in the cupboard. Right. The story of the old Quaker is that, uh, brother, I surely do not wish to shoot thee, but sometimes my gun goes off. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know. So is that kind of, uh, is that getting out of it? The, the I didn't actually pull the trigger. It just kind of, you just were standing in the wrong spot. With your hand in my cupboard at the wrong time and the wrong, you know, wee hours of the morning? I think it says when a man's family is threatened, right. um, whatever that perception of threat might be in their mind, uh, that threat uh, might be, they, uh, you know, nature kicks in and they do what they were born to do. Well, that is, uh, that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not fearful of this virus. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm concerned with my neighbors. It's a lot easier to do a radio show from the studio. It's really outfitted for this and, you know, perfect for it. Oh, that's good to know. If I ever do a radio show, I'll, I'll sure <laughs> You make your own studio. Yeah. Uh, I would say, I would say start small. Start a podcast first. Work out the bugs. I did it, and it's a lot of work. I don't want to do I'm it anymore. Calling you guys. <laughs> that's great. All right, that too. It, that's it, it's a great solution, <laughs> by the way. Is, is if you don't want to do a whole podcast on your own, just call in with that important thing you were thinking of today. Go ahead, Dick. So the important thing was an article um, that I sent to you recently, but I will summarize it uh, for your listeners. Um, in the North Slope, which is basically the northern part of Alaska, uh, it's a borough, so it's a large region. The mayor, um, as where all the oil companies are, it's basically villages and oil companies, and basically the oil companies have little camps up there. Um, okay. One of the airlines that provides service up there, Raven Air, has filed for bankruptcy. Okay. Um, something about the governor mandating that you can't travel between communities. Um, now it's filing for bankruptcy for some reason. Who knew? Um <laughs> So what the North Slope Borough Mayor has done is he has signed a executive emergency executive order seizing all of the property of Raven Air in the North Slope. Is the order issued by the mayor of uh, this North Slope Borough, or is it issued by the governor of the state of Alaska? This is a North Slope Borough Mayor declaration. So I don't think that a mayor in any state in the United States has the power to conscribe somebody. I mean, they can write whatever they want on a piece of paper, and likely people well, will go ahead and do it. But I think no, that the no, only no people— No one has the power. The, no one does, has the power to do that. I think governors might. No, they don't. Okay. Uh, defend that statement. Well, I—so I, uh, I'm, I'm being facetious with you, but uh, oh, okay. the, the truth <laughs> is no, none, of these, none of these men with their 
fancy piece of paper have a right to do any oh, of this. They don't have a right. Uh, I didn't say right. Yeah. I said power. <laughs> power. Well, and, and, and I'll say this too, without getting into too much detail, uh, they only have the powers that we let them have. In Hong Kong, one of the reasons that the Chinese government has a difficult time coming after the protesters that existed prior to... Because they're all wearing their guy, their guy Fox masks. They're all, well, they're all wearing masks generally. Like they, It is the culture there to wear a mask if you are concerned with illness, if it's that, that time of the year, or if you are sick. Or the smog. You just don't want to breathe in, maybe. Yeah, you could potentially do that, too. Most of them just wear these sort of the, the N95 mask or the medical mask or the uh, they, they, they have their own that they sort of make and mass produce. Either way, they fit, um, you know, they, they, they do the job that, uh, that the medical folks want. But I think these masks might catch on. Two things I'm hoping to get out of this this whole scenario, and I'm hoping not for not much else, but these two things I would like to see. I would like to see the masks catch on because if it messes with the uh, the cameras that do the facial recognition, correct? I'm in. Here's the problem. Yep. Masks aren't going to matter when we're all chipped. <laughs> Bill, Bill Gates, you creep. Well, so it might, I'm you not can, sure you, who's chipping whom, but you, you can, can always refuse a chip. You can't really refuse to be facially recognized by a camera. Yeah, but if you can't get a job because you haven't been vaccinated. And you can't get your, you're not getting your chip because you can't. Well, there it is. All I'm saying, like you can't buy food. I refuse to be uh, of the opinion that there's no reason to take steps now because there could be steps that they take. They, them, those take in the future. What I do at conventions now is, and I've I've been doing the social distancing thing for ten years. Uh, I'm you know I'm not interested in, <laughs> in people. In right, I, I'm a little concerned with these folks. Is. I generally, if somebody comes up with their handout, if I can remember to do this, and sometimes I fail to remember, I'm just as, you know, I'm, I'm still learning just like everybody else, but I always carry Purell with me. Mm-hmm. So I say, instead of handshaking, what I'm doing is exchanging Purell with people. And then I give them a little Purell in their hands, and I, get, I take a little <laughs> Purell, and we rub our hands together while we talk about things. Mark, you're weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, so where does the conversation go from there? Or do they even want to talk Usually to you? Usually they're that? delighted that they don't have to touch <laughs> some dirty part of another human being. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm, I'm for it. Uh, I, I, Yes. And then we just go on because most yep. of the people you're meeting at a convention, they don't want to talk about a handshake. They just want to get on into whatever they're talking about anyway. So, you know, the Purell thing is just a moment to stop and get cleaned up because I've known about these viruses things. They're new. This isn't new to me. I don't have to run around screaming because viruses have been making people sick I, for a long time. Yeah, but here's the thing. I'm in like I was talking earlier. I'm in my prime. Uh probably because I have all the viruses. I have all the immunities. I'm good to go. It's the young people and the old people who need to stay away from all this handshaking and crap, but I think I kind of want to be immune to these to what's coming next year. Hey Daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. 86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. People say Eastern Standard Time, but most of the time, or, um, you know, all the time zones are in daylight time. 
So we're in daylight time about seven months out of the year, which daylight time is simply the time zone next to you, to the, uh, you know, to the east. Mm-hmm. So the eastern time zone turns into the Atlantic Standard Time for seven months out of the year, which means it's sort of irrelevant of calling it uh, the eastern time zone when you're on Atlantic time more than half of the year. And that's true of central time and, and basically any place that doesn't change its time zone. But places that don't change their time zone, like Saipan and I think Arizona, they have to deal with everybody else changing their time zone anyway. So, for instance, I was doing the show at 10 a.m. in Saipan, and then when y'all decided to change your time zone... Don't look at me. Well, It wasn't my idea. Did you change? (laughs) Actually, my stove, my VCR, not my VCR, but my microwave, and my truck still have last... The last, they're back an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I know if I just wait long enough, actually, I don't even know how to do the fix the one on my truck, but if I just wait long enough, it'll go back to normal. I've seen your truck. Don't, want, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a brand new radio, and I knew how to change the old one, but this new one, I haven't figured it out yet. There's a lot of buttons. We're never going to advance uh, until we figure out how to learn these mistakes, and so we don't have to keep repeating them every damn generation. Don't you think... Like, I think people can get too obsessed. I, I um, You know, I love good decisions, but people can get too obsessed with sort of never making the same mistake twice. So they don't take chances that perhaps they need to take in life um, in order to have a more of a enjoyable life or make money or whatever the, 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 the case is, is yeah. that, you know, one can be uh, callous and reclusive. It's easy to get to be that pretty quickly uh by our age um i'm 49 how old are you um uh, 40 something yeah. 40, i think 41 maybe yeah there you go. they keep on it changes every year i, I don't know, i can't keep up keep with, track it? with it i knew 40 but now that it's the you know the odd, and, odd and even numbers in the rear view <laughs> but i mean we have kids yep. uh it's i it's very important that uh and and i think one of my big one of my big deals people are always on me about it is i was i let my kid do whatever Mm-hmm. You know, go play in the in the woods, go biking wherever, go hang out with sure. whoever. Uh, and a lot of people thought, well, you're not protective enough. And I'm like, she's never going to learn a damn thing unless she makes mistakes. So mm-hmm. I understand. I'm not saying uh, this isn't the, you know, mistakes are, are mistake. Ma- having to repeat the same mistakes over and over again, I believe, is the problem. But is, until we get past that, you've, we've got to experience uh, you know, dealing with situations on our own. What did you learn from your grandparents about the Great Depression? Ooh. Because I got to say that mostly I got thriftiness. I know that I had my grandparents, uh, uh, my, uh, my grandfather's brothers and sisters, our brothers, were in World War II. Uh-huh. And that's what's that, and you didn't hear anything about it. In fact, if you if you weren't told that, yeah, he was a bomber. Right. You would have never known because it was not to be talked about. Hmm. And I remember my granddad talking about uh, train train hopping and go, to go to the World's Fair and whatnot. Hmm. And that was a normal thing. You just just go jump on the train and just ride it to, you know, hundreds of miles away from your family. <laughs> you know, as a young young kids, teenagers. And so, but I mean, uh, that, I think that's the extent of what my granddad talked about because he was. I think he was nineteen. Uh, 11 or something so silent generation i believe yeah um no 1911 was it a gi no that's greatest generation or uh, world war ii number one on this list lesson one is job security 
Now, this and is the list of things that we preppers, the people. Yeah, this isn't really something for great. The Great Depression? I'm not going to read this one. I'm just going to break it down. Yeah. And, uh, but it's basically job security is a dangerous myth. Uh, what you need to, as a person who is going to be prepared for whatever, you have to consider that your job isn't going to exist tomorrow. You, you might, And you might be an essential soldier out there. You might be a bus driver or the trash mm-hmm. guy or a farmer, even a, or a dairy farmer. But, I mean, you might not be able to sell your product next day, the next day. I mean, dairy farmers are very essential, and they're having a very hard time right now. Mm-hmm. Trash delivery guys, the, especially the not the, not, not the ones who work for the cities and whatnot, but the, uh, the, the private industry. you got people who can't afford to have their trash picked up any longer. So you got these guys who are out of work. So, I mean, and, that, and if you think about it, if you ask someone a month ago, if a trash delivery guy, you know, the guy who's actually cleaning up all your all your crap uh is that is that going to be a job that's going to survive or not yeah i think it is mm, maybe not right well you don't know i think that that's it you pre- should be prepared for that anyway you should have an amount saved up probably two months worth of income saved up in liquid form so that you can be prepared i think that my probably the longest job i've ever worked was probably like five years usually i ran about three to four years and i've got Bunches of part-time jobs. Okay. This is just how I roll. I like being in different situations, working for different people. A lot of my jobs are it's just me, but I don't mind, you know, working for a good a good employer. You, you know? do do the multiple streams of income thing pretty well, plus the fact that you also are pretty self-sufficient. You raise chickens and rabbits, Chickens right? and rabbits and garden and the whole nine. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I, I well, I mean, I, 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 pretty busy. <laughs> I do all this because I like it. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel uh, like I'm like I'm accomplishing things. But I do like to, you know, different situations uh, to keep it to keep it flavorful. But the good news is that any one of my jobs, I have three main jobs right now. Any if I lost any of those, I would be able to pick up anything else because I basically in my 41 years, I've basically done it all. Um, I've worked for the man. I've worked for the government. Mm Uh, I've worked for myself. Uh, I've been unemployed and for you know stints. I've done hard jobs. I've been to the kind of jobs that the who's the Mike Rowe guy? He would say I would you know I, he would call it dirty a dirty job. I've done those. Uh, so I've so I, I so my suggestion to anybody about you know retaining job security is to branch out and try new things because your you know your job you think is essential might not be essential tomorrow. And if you don't know how to do anything else, well. I'm sorry, man. I hope it doesn't go Mad Max, um, and I hope more people get on board and they start, hey, dude, uh, we really like what you've done. Could you help us maybe? Well, I don't know if it'll go Mad Max either, and what I would say is, though, that you might seem something more like what we see now, and if what we see now is just a test run, and that's what I think it is. I don't mean test run in the sense that they did this to us. I mean a test run in the sense that this isn't nearly as serious as a global pandemic could be. COVID-19 ain't Ebola. COVID-19 is not particularly deadly, but it is particularly virulent, right? Like, you can spread it. So... If you get that virus or that bug or whatever that thing is that is both virulent and deadly, Mm -hmm. that's the one. And so this is your test run, people. Are you going to be ready for it if it happens again? Is this going to be the wake-up call that's going to— Because it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Yeah. I I really, really hope, looking uh, at—if you go to—we have a couple of uh, 
uh, we have an Agway and we have a tractor. Walpole's got a lot of uh, these stores who sell uh, seeds, seeds, and sure. chickens and, and equipment. Every store has seeds. Um, the, but it, or the, every place, every community has seeds. Uh, Agway got a big shipment of broilers a couple of weeks back, and and some of them were mine. I came in the next day, and they broilers they, is types of chickens. Uh, it's the meat chicken. Yeah. Uh, they I think they got like two hundred and fifty or something broilers, all sold. Give me some of your stats here. I'd like to uh, to hear some of them. Uh, well, the first one I had was uh, yearly flu death. I'm sure that number's come up a lot. It's like thousands that in the U.S. Um, How much? And then the fifty thousand. I, I think. It's about, right. about 60,000 a year. Worldwide. Worldwide. Right. worldwide, it's a lot more, but I'm, I'm talking about sure. the U.S. Yep. Um, and the other one I, I had is 2008 swine flu. Um, How many died in know, the swine flu epidemic? About, about 12,000. Okay. And you know, nobody was calling for Barack Obama to be impeached or whatever because he waited until November to declare a state of emergency for a swine that started in April. Um, I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. Right. I think that part of the uh, the whole uh, just sort of lockdown mentality that came out of this was the fact that this started in China. And that's an authoritarian government who solved its problems through lockdowns. Um, I don't think that what the what has been done, this uh, quarantining, self-quarantining, stay-at-home thing is necessarily the greatest idea. Um I think that basically businesses and people should be responsible, should be informed about exactly how dangerous and not dangerous this particular bug is, and they should be able to make their own choices. You know, we've had four patients now that tested positive, and they're all on... You work at a doctor's office. Yes, and they're all on the chloroquine and z And they're doing quite well. They're doing actually marvelously. One of them is about ready to go uh, to be declared cured. And uh, a couple of them I've just, you know, they're new patients. So I'm not new to us, but they've just newly been diagnosed. What, what, so, are, the, what are the chloroquine's um, side effects? I don't remember. They're, they're very minimal. I mean, this is a drug that's been around for It's a malaria drug, right? Years. Yeah, it's been around for like 80 years, and it's it's well-known drug. And um, there are some side effects i can't tell you what they are off the top of my head. I'm not a doctor, first of all, so let's get that straight. My wife is the doctor, and she's the genius who's been treating these people. Um, but she's just she's getting it off of uh, you know the forums and the and the resources that are talking about these treatments because it's all pretty new. Seems to be that the thing that kills you is the inflammation in the lungs, and so you don't really treat the virus, but rather treat the inflammation, and that's why some of these drugs are—they don't seem like they should work because they, you know, they're, they're not effective against viruses. Right, they're not for viruses, but they're, uh, but but if they're effective against inflammation, then hey, that might work. The Surgeon General said that this was our 9/11 Pearl Harbor moment, and so I did the minute worth of research that it was required and i saw that the the number of people killed during the pearl harbor attacks was 2400 people yep. and during the 911 attacks the official number is 2996 okay. roughly speaking that's 5400 people um every year in the united states and the current numbers for the uh, 2019-2020 flu season uh, is somewhere between 24 to 63,000. That's mm-hmm. the, the estimate given by the CDC. Mm-hmm. So according to the Surgeon General's numbers... And that's an estimate, um, just to be clear. That's a, they only yeah. test like 
30,000 people, and half of those people don't don't actually have influenza. And I'm going to try to distinguish between influenza and the flu here from here on out because I believe the flu is turned into a colloquial term for flu-like symptoms, uh, you know, condition with flu-like symptoms, and that influenza is a virus. And I think there's a distinction. Go ahead. Right. Well, yeah, that's another point that that, that actually is connected to, to the one I'm going to make. So according to according to the logic by the Surgeon General, that since between 24 to 60, let's take the worst case scenario. Let's say 63,000 people died from the flu this season. That's eight times the amount of Pearl Harbor and 9-11 combined. I just wanted to talk about the importance of being prepared, the preparedness aspect of this whole thing. Um, So I, the Latter-day Saints or the Mormons, as most people know them, but they, they prefer LDS. Okay. But um, I was raised, I'm not an active member, but I was raised in that church. Yep. And um, they, uh, they talk about like, so being raised in it, they talk about being prepared and how important it is for you to be prepared for just anything in, in particular, even if it's just a financial like job loss, but they talk about self-reliance and um, how it's always so important to have a food and water supply of drinking water and to avoid debt. Those yeah, are like the basics. I was going to mention the, the debt part. They like to own their houses. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. They A lot of libertarians come out of the LDS church, by the way, uh, for whatever reason. Well, it's probably, I don't, there's probably a lot of reasons for that, but um, uh, around where I'm at, it's saturated with uh, LDS church. I don't practice the religion. Mm-hmm. But they do the preparedness aspect. I'm just telling you, it, it just in general, it's, it's cultural. important for anybody. Yeah. Yes, it's just important, though. What would you because, say the number one things that one should do to be prepared are? Uh, well, definitely have like a, a supply of food. Lesson three, diversify your skill set. Okay. Many of the previous well-off families were forced into lives of extreme poverty. As the cushy jobs vanished and monetary assets tanked, people who had no real useful skills suffered the most. Previous wealthy parents watched in horror as their children died of starvation or illness that they could not afford to fight off. Mothers and fathers died by sacrificing their own needs for their children, leaving their children alone to fend for themselves. When times get tough, you'll need to figure out how to scratch out a living. Learn how to provide an essential service to others to trade or barter for it. Figure or out more than one. Our, our bunches. I just go all over the map because one might work and one and the and two others might not. So you just gotta you just gotta try everything. Right. Figure out how to secure critical resources and turn those into necessary goods or services. It's best if you acquire these self reliant survival skills today. Don't wait for the collapse to happen. You need to start figuring out how to how to do different things now. Make hay while the sun shines. Lesson four, we were just talking about this. You must stay mentally prepared and stop watching all that damn fear porn out there because <laughs> that's all it is. Listen to this show. We're going to talk about the real numbers. We're going to try to we're going to advise you to be mentally sane in these trying times. We're going to talk about things like prepper lists and what you should do to prepare for all this. Stay away from that fear porn, man. Uh, well, look, I, I think that if I was checking out a media, I'd check out all media. If you want to listen to Free Talk Live, by all means, listen. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes 
Subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.